Welcome to a new podcast series at Sovereign Hope Church called Discipleship Discussions. This is a series of discussions aimed to help move you towards a culture of discipleship in your own lives by doing just that, helping each other follow Jesus in all of life through the gospel. So helping us today is a good friend of mine, Barry Peterson. Barry is a former member at Sovereign Hope. Were you actually, were you a member at Sovereign Hope or was it Sheck when you left? That's a great question. Uh, I th- think it was Sovereign Hope. Okay. So was uh, a, a Sovereign Hoper and is now a current member at University Reformed Church in East Lansing, Michigan. You are married. We each share an affinity for women named Sarah, um, as we each have a Sarah and you also have four kids. And so we're basically two souls separated, um, similar lives, different places. One gets to live in a beautiful state with mountains. The other lives in a giant swamp. So um, we are happy to have you with us. And and I, I'd like for you to share. I was I had actually forgotten about this until I sat down here. Um, our journey together started uh, in the context of helping other people follow Jesus. But I would I, I wanted to hear um, and let the our members and listeners kind of hear. Do you remember kind of the first experience you had with? me at youth group. And do you want to share a little bit of what that was? And I'll share what was happening on my insides while that was happening. Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I had a, the the audience can't see me, but I had a much bigger beard. I remember that. And you, you didn't look functionally homeless. You looked entirely homeless. Right. Yeah. I, but I was really serious about the Bible. I'm sure you, I'm sure you'll remember that. And I wanted everyone to be serious about it. So I do remember thinking it was really important for the youth group kids to read their Bibles. And so when we sat down to teach them and nobody seemed to have one, I was not pleased, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I was brand new to the church and kind of just came guns a-blazing and I think that, that uh, threw some people for a loop, including yourself. Yeah, I sat down. Um, I was a new uh, youth worker at the time, and Barry was um, new to the area and kind of just got plugged in. And And so I shared kind of a little devotional or sermonette or something like that. And I, I asked, hey, uh, kind of asked, motion to my leaders, do, do you guys have anything to add? And Barry stands up and comes to the front. Like I was thinking they just like, you know, talk from their chair. And Barry comes to the front where I was preaching from. And I can't remember the uh, comparison you did, but you were like, you wouldn't go to a basketball game without a basketball you wouldn't go hunting without a rifle yeah why would you come to a youth group without a bible and the kids and i were both like this is how all those netflix documentaries start out he's going to kill us and murder us and hide us in the woods um but i'm so grateful for that because it did uh it communicated a lot about barry barry you are passionate about um god's word and by god's grace both of us are far more mature than we were um in that moment so thanks for helping us today we have kind of a working definition at sovereign hope of what discipleship is and uh it kind of boils down to three things and that is helping each other follow jesus in all of life through the gospel. And so one thing that is kind of tricky for discipleship is we either think discipleship is too complex or we think discipleship is too undefined, um, that everything becomes discipleship. When you think about discipleship in your own lives or in your own life, uh, 
What does that look like for you? What are the thoughts you have on that that help you discern, okay, this is what discipleship is, and uh, this is how I know I'm doing that? Yes, yeah, good question. It can be tricky because when you first meet someone, I'd say you're just getting to know them, you want to be friends, or you know, you're both you're both passionate about things, you want to know what those things are. But to me, you know, kind of going back to the youth group days, and I, I am glad we both matured in this. Uh, but you know, there's gotta be a Bible. There's gotta be there's gotta be some Jesus talk. It does have to be going somewhere. And I've I found that uh, when I want to be discipled or when I'm trying to disciple someone else, you know, I, I try and make sure there's some sort of life experience or maturity gap there too. So what can I learn from uh, this older man or what can I teach this younger man? So there's usually some sort of generational gap when, when I sit down with someone or I'm seeking to sit down with somebody. So discipleship is... Uh, relational. That's kind of what you're talking about. It, it assumes this relationship. It's not just mere content, but it has um, it has a means. Like the way in which the relationship is developing is in some way kind of just being Christian in public, right? It's calling right. those around you to to interact and respond to um, scripture and its primary theme of of who Christ is and how we can respond to that. Right. And I think uh, ultimately it's you know, what are we doing or how am I preparing even my own heart to teach the next generation about Christ? So ultimately we want the the church to live on past us and it's going to, the gates of hell cannot overcome the church, but you know, what can I do or what can, uh, you know, for someone else or what can I even do for myself to grow in holiness and, and my walk with Christ? So I want to ask another question here. Cause I know when you, uh, when I met you, you had been Christian for, for a few years at that point. But when did you come to understand that there's no distinction between being Christian, which is kind of just like a title that we often think is as static, and being a disciple to where, you know, as we talk about discipleship, it seems like this additional super thing that Christians do. But biblically, it's like the definition of what a Christian is. A Christian is a disciple. What was that like for you when you got saved to come into an understanding of that? Yeah, I think it was just being aware of how the church functions. A healthy church is going to have those relationships naturally, and it's going to be a place where you can seek out to be discipled and witness even other people being discipled. So the more I was around people, I learned, oh, these guys are getting together, they're reading the Bible together, they're memorizing scripture together, they're, you know, doing X, Y, Z together. But it was, it really came to me through observation of seeing others live out the Christian life, older men that I trusted to find out what does it look like to be a Christian instead of just an altar call that I, you know, responded to one day, but what does it look like to live this out? And certainly seeing guys meet up and, and meeting up with other uh, people through the years has helped form that. And that's really cool because that you're talking about almost like a tertiary level of connection there because they weren't discipling you and yet they were discipling you. Like you were just observing these things and yeah. in observing that you're like, this should be something that, uh, I'm doing. This should be, there, there's something here because everyone else around me is doing that. And that's so encouraging because we talk about these like compounding layers of what that does. Cause not only is discipleship benefit beneficial for you, regardless of whether you're the, the quote unquote discipler or disciplee, it's beneficial for the other person you're engaging in. And it's beneficial to those who see it. Like God's grace is so powerful in this. And he's so hardwired his people that, uh, this is, uh, 
contagious in all of the good ways. It's the anti-coronavirus. <laughs> Absolutely. And Paul talks about the church having many gifts and you're, you're either an eye or an arm or, you know, big toe. Can, yeah, or a big toe. Uh, and discipleship really highlights that, that I'm not going to have the same gifts as someone else, but what can I learn from a different body part than me as keeping the analogy? So there came to be a point in your life where you, you're seeing that, Hey, these guys in the church around me are prioritizing specific things that seem to have some sort of value to it. When you, and from that point on, you began to pursue or to be discipled in a both formal and informal ways, right? Discipleship happens when we go to church, but discipleship also happens when you sit down and you're doing something intentional, reading God's word, studying God's word, um, reading a book. When you look back at kind of the course of your Christian life, what are some of the more helpful moments of discipleship that you experienced? And what did that look like for you? Yeah, I've had a few key guys. I, I think I mentioned a little earlier that I've uh, sought to be discipled by. And it really helped out when starting to form a family. Uh, really curious on what does it look like to be a Christian husband and father? If you didn't grow up with that figure in your life, you want to not only make sure you do it right, but try to avoid some pitfalls. So I remember distinctly meeting with different men in the church and just picking their brain about, you know, what does it look like to discipline your kids? What does it look like to love your wife? What does it look like to be a good dad? And and so there were certain thoughts that I had that were corrected, other ones that were uh, just matured and more rounded out that helped me kind of put a plan together for how I wanted to I wanted to live my life. What did those, what did it look like to get into those conversations? Did it look like you kind of going to someone and, and expressing the magic formula? Like, Hey, will you disciple me? Or was it, Hey, go out to coffee with me. And then you, you spring these questions on them. Cause there, there are people in our church who, who have those desires and like, great. It's an awkward gap to get from there to, from here to there. Uh, what did that look like for you? Uh, <laughs> it probably started with coffee. Now I prefer a breakfast. Uh, you know, the full deal. That's right. It, There's no holding back in the household of faith. No. Uh, it really is as simple as making a friend and then saying, hey, can we get together? Um, you know, when I first got to East Lansing, I picked two guys out like right away and just asked them if we could get together. And it, we did. And then at the end, if it felt right, hey, can we do this again? And, uh, you know, Google Calendar is the friend there and make it repeatable. Uh, so I've got one, two, I think four regular discipleship meetings where I'm actually being discipled that are regular calendar events. And they were not complicated to set up. They were men that I found that I could trust and, uh, and haven't really looked back. That's awesome. And one thing that I know is beneficial about you, as was shown in our story earlier, is you have no fear of man. And so um, what you could have went forward and shared the most awkward, will you disciple me conversation. Um, and I think that's something that's really um, admirable that a church can see is seeing guys like you um, who don't really care about the perception of what it looks like because they know they need it. They know this is good. And uh, how encouraging it is to actually have a church uh, like uh, URC 
to have guys who don't find that as odd. But the beautiful thing is, is even if they found it as odd, you're making a church stronger by going and pursuing those relationships, even if you're pursuing it as the one who needs the discipleship, because you're calling others to participate in a gift that God has given to them in the gospel. We're all just stewards of God's varied grace is what Paul says. And so we all have got... Um, We've all got these a la carte dishes of grace in our life. And together as the church, it becomes this uh, this uh, golden corral of goodness um, that we get to pick off each other's plates, which is great. That's so good. one thing, uh, uh, I mentioned this to you. A lot of the people we're, we're talking to in this series are um, – we're trying to get a broad spectrum of, of guys and gals. And um, that's how you know I'm from Montana when we say gals. Do they say gals in Michigan? Okay. Uh, yeah, we we have a, a full spectrum. Okay, good. Um, uh, and people who work for the church, people who work for parachurch, and then people like you who are a member at a church and volunteer at the church, but you are not paid by the church. You work um, 40 hours a week in a uh, non-ministry job. You have a wife and four kids. You've got lots of things pulling on your time. Uh, what does it look like for you to be engaged in the act of discipling, um, whether it's through your church, whether it's on your own and uh, walk us through how that gets planned out, thought through in your life. Yeah. It's pretty much the reverse of when I would ask to be discipled. Uh, I look for young guys. We have a, we're right next to Michigan state university. So we're always seeing young college men come through the church and it is, uh, it's been as simple as shaking a hand or now it's the elbow bump, uh, yeah. and asking them to coffee and we get together and then ask if they want to read a book or stay the Bible. There's a, a guy that I was mean with for a while and now he is down in Texas and going overseas and even, you know, the, the technology these days you don't actually have to be in person. So I'm looking forward to continuing in a relationship with him. But it is, you know, you mentioned, you know, I'm really busy. How do I find time? I mean, I don't have time not to be discipled and I don't have time not to be discipling uh, because it is so beneficial. Even as you're discipling someone, you find that it, it is going both ways. Uh, so their insight or their giftings or their maturity, even at a younger age, is feeding into me. And so I have found that regardless of which way you see it going, uh, you know, whether I'm being discipled or whether I'm discipling someone, uh, that it is mutually beneficial. So I have found that in the disciple discipling relationships I've been in, uh, it does go both ways. And it's been very easy to, like I said, just put a calendar invite and some practical things. I think you asked me for practical things. So I will ask somebody if they want to meet. And then uh, I will say, what day of the week can you meet? And then they'll give me a day of the week. And then I'll just find the next one on my calendar that's open. And so it doesn't have to be much more complicated than trying to find a time, uh, like that. And so, is, is, is there freedom in that for you? Like, are, is that something where you're bound to like these, um, these rigid things like we're going to do this every week, or is it something where it's like, it's okay if my next Tuesday is three weeks from now. Um, 
because I think sometimes we think really formulaically about that and think that, you know, it's that if we meet at the same time on the same day, it's more spiritual than if we meet on different times on different days. Yeah, I I will try and keep it, uh, you know, to a regular cadence just because it's more intentional, uh, but certainly need to be flexible with people's schedules and it's okay if we cancel or we don't meet this time. But having a regular cadence with flexibility is to say, hey, we're going to meet every month. And then the, mo- the month rolls around and I have been felt kind of a pressure to say, okay, should we try and reschedule this one? But it's been way more helpful to say, no, we'll just pick it up next month. Yeah. Because when you're in a relationship uh, and you know you're going to be doing this several times, you don't have to you don't have to worry about if we're going to miss this one. No, we're, we'll get the next one. I think that's something that's that's a profound realization, too, is that um, like discipleship doesn't happen exclusively in a meeting. Like if the goal the goal of discipleship isn't to meet with one another. <laughs> Uh, the meeting with one another is a means to accomplish helping each other follow Jesus. And so as you create that discipleship relationship, there are text messages or conversations at church, um, you know, going out and grabbing uh, breakfast or something with that person apart from that meeting that is all part of that because that's what the church is meant to do. And so I think when you realize that uh, there's more freedom to say, Hey, am I actually, not be helpful for either of us to meet this Tuesday night. If you've, your son's got a baseball game and I've got a test to study for or something like that. Um, but that's where that ecosystem of discipleship is important. Yeah. It can take on many forms. So I love having people over to meet my family and join in family worship and have a meal where they meet everyone. It doesn't have to be one-on-one, but introduce them into our life. That's been really helpful. What? So imagine you've got someone who you, you're discipling, and they're like, I want to do this to somebody else. Like I want to, um, cause one thing I realized is I played tennis all through high school. I think you and I have played tennis before a couple of times. You always beat me. Um, yeah. is, uh, it, yeah, I'm glad <laughs> that's on the podcast for all to hear. Um, it's like when, uh, John is writing and he just wanted them to know that he beat Peter to the tomb. Um, uh, when I was teaching others how to serve, I spent the entire practice just serving to show them. And I wasn't serving for my sake. I was serving for their sake. But the result was I got way better at serving because I was helping these other people do it. And so there's this joy in discipleship where you realize, like, when I'm actually helping people do things that I've done for a long time, I'm getting better at those very things. And so when you've got a guy who recognizes that and wants to do it, but he's like, Barry, I have no idea what I would do in that meeting. So now I'm at coffee with this guy. What am I doing in that meeting? What does it look like to actually kind of steer conversations towards that uh, centrality of the word, centrality of the gospel? Yeah, it can happen a few different ways. Uh, For me, it usually happens naturally. So I'll give you an example. I uh, wanted to teach a handful of guys uh, how to study their Bibles. And so I had them all over for breakfast. I think there was maybe five guys. And we just went through a Bible study. This is how I do it. This is how I highlight. These are the notes I take, et cetera. This is the plan I use. And it was probably a year after that I found out that they had all created some sort of relationship within that group of young men that they were meeting with each other and challenging each other. So it can happen naturally. Uh, You know, if somebody came to me and said, I don't know how to do this, 
say, well, there's not, there's not any wrong way to do it. You know, you're just two Christian people getting together and trying to grow in Christ. The best way to do that is to seep yourself in the word. And so you could pick a book of the Bible, read it together, and then just talk about what stood out to you, uh, attributes of God. Uh, you could read a commentary along with it. I like I like the McChain Bible Plan along with the D.A. Carson's For the Love of God commentary. So that's the one I always point people to. But it's just not complicated. And almost everybody drinks coffee now, so that's helpful. And uh, it's so it's not expensive. It's something everybody seems to want to do and it's not complicated so you try and break down the barriers of saying this is really simple it doesn't have to be anything more than you sitting down and reading the word and seeing what each of you thought about it that's really good yeah i think sometimes we uh like i think a good gut check is what's helping me grow um, because what's helping you grow is probably the same thing that's going to help others grow. Like we're not so special um, yeah. that, that we all need uh, uh, these individualized, everything in our world is individualized um, and God's grace is individualized to our sin, but the source is the same thing. It's like, like God's word is what all of us are, are looking towards and so profound that it meets all of our needs um, in wonderful ways. Uh, so that's good because if we were up to, to, uh, us to figure out what grows people, we would uh, be sprinkling miracle grow on people. That'd be rough. Yeah, I'm glad that the Lord has provided us with more than enough content and inspiration to go forward with this task.